Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to another episode of Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Aaron Fleming. Buenas noches. Hola. And Derek Swistak. Hey, hey. And of course, I'm Adam Rubicek, and we are wrapping up our mini-series on social skills. So if you remember... We talked a little bit about the theory and research a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about those observables, the looks like, sound like, sounds like, of how you would teach social skills and assess social skills, easy for me to say, in the classroom. Uh, and today, Derek's going to lead us with a little talk of implementing those um, teaching and assessing of social skills in, in, in the classroom. So take it away, Derek. So I have to tell you, it was very meta last week that we were doing looks like, sounds like, of looks like, sounds like. That was, uh, that was very, uh, it reminded me of uh, Spaceballs. Where was this in the movie? I was, go- I was going for Inception, perhaps, to update it by a couple of years. You could do that. So- Maybe Looper. I mean, can we go world in between worlds? Star Wars Rebels? We're Adam McCutt uh, right now. All right. So in terms of implementation, um, the, te- the teacher's role is honestly just to kind of start talking through like why these things are important. So we talked about the four Fs and talking through what those things might mean and what they might mean to our learning community. And once you've kind of established a few of them, it's time to really like take a look at the looks like, sounds like, and have kids, students, whoever you have in front of you, right? The people that are part of your learning community, let's all agree on what it means to paraphrase somebody. What does it, what does it look like when we paraphrase somebody? What does it sound like when we paraphrase somebody? And Sentence starters are a really great way to help somebody who may struggle with this. Um, I teach ELL students, and and so um, that is something that we work with a lot. Is like, what are some sentence starters? What are some ways to get the conversation rolling and and keeping the the conversation going? And then once it's once you get to that place where you've got it looks like sounds like, then maybe you do a little fishbowl activity and you have some kids or uh, some other people practice through and you take a look at people that are engaged in a conversation where they are practicing that social skill. And then once we get to that point, then it's a time to start tallying and starting trying to figure out how well are we implementing this in our classroom. And I think that's where that student-teacher relationship becomes vitally important, that everyone can kind of see, that everyone knows that this is our learning community. This is what we agree is important. And this is something that we want to get better at. One of the things that I always had to remind myself of when um, doing this in the classroom was that these social skills are a continuum and that we are building capacity as a classroom community. And so that while we may have some students that are a little more advanced and some students that are developing, um, we should see growth throughout time. And so it's not just a, we're gonna pick one of these skills that are on the game board, or I'm gonna make up my own. What we're going to do is kind of assess where students are and then look at what's coming down the road and see if we can develop the skills we have and pick something that might be a little bit of a stretch, break it down together and then uh, work towards it. And once we have some confidence that we've gotten there, then we can again, pick another goal. Yeah. I think another important thing that, you know, you know, of course, Adam, you talked about doing it together, but you know, to, to some things you were saying earlier, Derek, it's, 
when we invite our students to, to really take ownership of this process and talk about, you know, what we need and how we're doing with this, we're giving our students voice and choice. And that really goes a long way because it is our shared community. So if we're really asking students, well, you know, what, what is it like, you know, when, when we paraphrase someone else, uh, well, you know, so I, I really like that, uh, that ownership piece that it gives students. Yeah. And I think, I think it speaks to really developing a classroom culture, really developing some norms in the classroom and really saying that this is something that we, we as a classroom community value, um, for, for, for a lot of classrooms, the only thing that students see as valuable is academic success. And, um, you know, kids walk in with all different levels of, of experiences, all different levels of, of understanding. And there may be some kids in class that are, are much better and more advanced at these social skills that aren't necessarily as advanced at, at some of the academic skills and giving those kids a chance to kind of flourish through this um, avenue. I think the other thing to kind of keep in mind is that when we look at the five elements that um, really social skills is, is really um, melded or um, weaved in to all of these things, you know, it's really tough to have positive interdependence without having kids, um, you know, thinking that they can sink or swim together without having kids having some norms established as to how they're going to communicate with one another. And I think the important thing as a teacher to, to remember, and, and this is something that um, I think sometimes teachers, especially newer teachers struggle with, is that um, is to keep it positive, like really keeping that, that positive. There's going to be some good days and there's going to be some bad days, but really keeping on the positive track, really keeping that, those students going and really not just recognizing positive of just one student or two students really starting to recognize the positives of and positive contributions of all students. So one of the things that um, the Johnsons talk about in their book is, is having the teacher, instead of just walking around and, and looking for academic insights, really just tracking how often they hear or see some of the agreed upon looks like, sounds like some of the agreed upon norms, for instance, for paraphrasing. Are they hearing some of those sentence starters that we all agreed are important? And one of the things that it sounds like initially is, is what? What does it sound like, guys, when initially when you first start implementing the looks like, sounds like? It might sound like a robot. Is that what you're talking about? No. Um, are you talking about when it sounds forced, Derek? Absolutely. And it sounds a little robotic too, right? Like, and that's sort of how it goes. If you learn how to throw a football, you need to learn all of the mechanics of how to throw a football. And it feels very forced and it doesn't feel right at first. And, and maybe you've watched someone throw it, but until you look at those mechanics, it, it, it doesn't feel, it might not feel right. Um, and that's the same thing here is that it might not feel right. But what we want to get is to a place where it's, you know, ingrained into that student so that not only are they doing this inside the classroom, but they're really listening closely to what people say outside the classroom. And they're paraphrasing there. And then they're taking it to the next level. And maybe they challenge some people on, on what they have to say too. And that, that, that is something that I think a lot of us got into teaching for is, is building creative thinkers. And without practicing some of these initial forming and functioning skills, we really can't get to that ultimate level. 
um, the ultimate level of attainment here in, in social skills is, is to test the group's work by checking the reality, right? Like checking this outside of the classroom, really building to a performance assessment standard um, and really building in those academics into having really, really deep, thoughtful discussions where we may disagree about an idea, but when we walk away, we respect one another. We we know that that person has every right to our the, their dignity, every right to um, feel as though they are still a part of, of our community. Well, and I think that speaks volumes. You know, you're talking about creating you know the community you know within the four walls of your classroom. But I often talk to my students about, hey, this should spill out into the hallway, and it should spill out into the cafeteria. And it should spill out into, you know, when you see somebody at the park or at the mall or wherever you see everybody, right, that, you know, it should continue the way that you treat each other and it should transfer to, you know, new situations, kind of like Derek was was mentioning. So, you know, it's that pie in the sky of what if we were to all do this at our school, what what kind of place would it be? It would be absolutely amazing. That's a great point. That is a great point. Yeah, that and that is, I think, why the three of us got really into this is that we all worked at the same school and we said, man, this would be great if everybody was doing this. And even if we weren't doing it and we were doing it with some level of efficacy, whoo, man, I mean, this this would be an amazing place and and even more amazing than what we already think this is. Um, That was was one of my favorite things when I would I would do something in the classroom and I'd say, hey, you know, let's let's talk about paraphrasing and we'd break it down and we'd, we'd implement and someone would look at me and say, you know, we did the same thing in Senor Fleming's class. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, this is something that's important that we really want you to know and and to be able to do. And, uh, you know, as a student watching those light bulbs turn on, like, Oh, what happens in biology class also matters in Spanish class. Um, that, that's really powerful. Uh, one last piece of implementation that I did want to talk about is, is bringing in a classroom observer. So oftentimes we talk about wanting teams of students to be no more than two or three people. Um, but you could have three people and really turn that into a pair. So if, if you just take one person outside of that three and make them an observer and just say, hey, do me a favor, just keep track, just tally marks of how often these two people, how often every time a new person talks, does do they just make contributions to the conversation? Or how often do they paraphrase? Or how often do they question one another? Or how often do they um, follow up and, and, and encourage one another to continue on with the conversation? And sometimes that's a little tough with only two people. So sometimes you might take four people and make it a three person group and take one person out and make them the observer and we talk a little bit about, we actually uh, model that in our um, trainings that we've done in the past. And I think that's an eye-opening experience where kids are tracking each other's things and they can see how they've done and they can cha- you know, challenge themselves once they've got some data. And it really speaks to offering some data and getting better at those, those tasks, those assessments. If we're having, uh, we can have students be an observer if you are lucky enough to have an, an instructional coach or an administrator during an observation, or maybe even a colleague, a colleague could help to do that as well. Um, I would say make sure to, to limit how many social skills that you give a student to track 
Uh, usually one is probably a good start and maybe two max because it is hard um, when you're when you're trying to tally those skills. But the bottom line here is we have to give our students some feedback and some data on how they're doing with these things. Sometimes it could be just a little anecdotal. I'm going to write on a post-it note as I walk through the room. And again, I'm going to make that a purposeful walk through the room. I'm not just strolling through. It's I need to make sure that I hear each group equally and I can give, you know, take one post-it note and put it next to somebody's desk and say, I really like how you, you know, you brought your group members into that conversation by asking a question, or I really liked how you, you paraphrased what your, your group said, or you summarized what your group said and included all voices. So however we do it through the student observer or through our praise or our direct feedback, written or verbal, just continue to give that feedback. Just as we would give feedback about academic skills, we need to do the same for these social skills, these cooperative skills. And with that, I think we can wrap up our third installment of our mini-series on social skills. Thank you both uh, Derek and Aaron. I think next installment, we're going to be getting to our fifth and final element of cooperative learning, and that will be face-to-face interaction. Until that time, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan. <laughs>